Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by a good friend, Roderick Jefferson, founder and CEO of Roderick Jefferson and Associates. Roderick's sales enablement consulting team helps sales organizations around the world accelerate speed to revenue and sales productivity. Now, Roderick's helped drive the growth of sales enablement. He's one of the OGs. We've got one of the people that drove the whole thing with us today. And in addition to becoming one of the top sales enablement leaders in the world, he's emerged as a highly sought after speaker, consultant, and advisor in the sales enablement space. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be at lots of events where I've heard Roderick speak. I've picked up lots of the content he's been using, sharing, working with. And this book that he's got coming out, Sales Enablement 3.0, it's set to launch soon. I'm excited to talk about it a little bit today. Uh, and in his book, he's going to share his blueprint for modern sales enablement success with a tried and true formula that he has seen provide proven success, success time and time again. So I'm really excited to have this guy here. I, I've seen what he has to offer. I drink the Kool-Aid that he serves. We're going to have a great conversation today. Roderick, my man, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. My man, I am so honored by that intro, first of all. I, I, I always think of myself as just an average guy with a great platform to be able to help people. So thank you so much. And I cannot wait to dive into this with you. Yeah, we got a big topic to talk about today. You know, lots changed in this year, and I think we're going to see more change next year. And, and the way that we enable our people is going to be a driver of our success. So why don't you start by introducing your firm and, and how you help the customers you're working with around the world? Sure. So Roderick Jefferson and Associates, we are a sales enablement and sales coaching firm. And our focus is really on, as you said, how do we help companies to accelerate their revenue and create more productive and proficient sellers. But I think it, it's, it has certainly evolved from just that piece to where are we going next? And my goal is that my firm will lead the way into the next era that I'm calling Sales Enablement 3.0. We've held some great companies like uh, you know, Showpad and Integrate and others in the SMB space. We've helped other companies like American Express and Uber and Olympus Medical up in the enterprise space. So I think we've covered nice. it all so far. Nice. I think the proudest thing I am about all of that is, and I always want to start this way, before we jump into talking about the book, I want to talk to my sales enablement folks and the sales folks that are listening. I am not a trainer by trade. I'm a sales guy, first yeah. and foremost. Carried a bag myself. I was a BDR. I was an AE. Got promoted to sales leader, which I promptly turned down. And as any good sales guy, I talked myself into a new role, which was regional trainer. 
because mm -hmm. I had been to President's Club and I was saying, hey, what if I can share my rudimentary tools and templates and get other people equally as successful? And so a little on my background really briefly, I have been incredibly blessed to have a great run so far. I have run enablement at Siebel Systems, business uh, appliance, let me see, network appliance, business objects, eBay, HP, Oracle, Salesforce, and Marketo. One day, small companies couple, you may have heard of, right? A couple of the, the stops may actually kick off one day. I'm counting on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and here I sit before you. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's fantastic. And your what you do in enablement is is world class. Thank How you. did you get into sales, though? I always love hearing people's story about that. How did you do sales? How did that lead you to figuring out you want to help drive enablement? Because very few people say that they were going to be in sales when they grow up. I always thought I was going to be a you know, a shooting guard uh, for someone or maybe the first baseman for the Dodgers, man. And, and now I'm a sales coach. You know, unlike today where you can actually major in sales, Rob, right. it was not on my radar either. Same. I didn't wake up one day and go, ooh, I want to be a BDR. Although, right. don't get me wrong, I'm glad it actually worked out. What happened was um, I had played ball. I was done with all of that. And I had got injured, blew out my knee, and had to get a real job. Okay. The um, person I was dating at the time, which 30 years later now is still my wife, wow. her family worked at AT&T and they're like, look, we can get you a job because clearly you can talk to people about anything, <laughs> right? So, and they'll teach you how to sell. And I went, hey, why not? Let's give it a shot. And it has definitely been more than worth its weight and goal of starting out. I'm so glad I started that way because sales teaches you so much. Agreed. So that's, you did that and you got into sales. And I guess one thing led to another. And now you see sales enablement. How, how, let's get to that for a second. Can you start by giving us a definitive definition on what sales <laughs> enablement is as one Thank of the OGs, so as a much. guy? And then I want to know, how did you see this as someplace to focus? Because this is a trend, man, that has come up in the last couple of years, last few years. You've helped drive it. Define it and talk about why you realize that's a place to be. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And definitely one of the OGs. I always put a caveat on this. I believe, to my knowledge, I am actually the person that coined the phrase sales enablement. Okay. And it has no meaning back then like it does today. The problem with the definition of sales enablement is, and I talk about this in the book, if you ask 10 people, you'll get 12 answers. Right. And frankly, none of those answers are wrong. It really depends upon where you are in the maturation cycle of your company as to how enablement is defined. My definition is getting the right people in the right conversation, the right tools at the right time. So let me give you a little color around that. Okay. It, it's really about scalable and consistent tools that help accelerate speed to revenue and um, create customers for life by removing seller, selling obstacles, right? Let's just get down to it. Let me give you an analogy really quick. Think yeah. about an orchestra, yeah. right? And you've got woodwind, strings, percussion, brass. Now let's align those all to the lines of business, product marketing, marketing, sales, HR, engineering, all that. They're all trying to do the right thing for the customer and they're all trying to play the right notes. But the problem is it's chaos. They're playing on top of each other. They're playing sour notes. They're playing out of sync until one person or organization in this case, sales enablement, the conductor steps up, taps the stand, and then all of that noise and chaos becomes a beautiful sheet of music. That's what enablement does. I love it. So that's a great definition. I hope everybody got down. And so let's talk <laughs> about that now. 
sales enablement today is different than what it was probably three years ago. I got to think, right? For yeah. sure. But it's I different think, than what it was pre-COVID. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> but I got to think it had a massive shift in like March of this year, right? Thankfully. Okay. So if you, <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about that. What's happening in your mind as you look at this? You work with people all around the world. You're helping people adapt. You're helping people. Because I think the term modern sales changed in 2020. What it means now oh, is yeah. different than it was 1999 or 2019. Sorry. And um, when you're talking about that, we got this is a sales leadership podcast. You got several uh-huh. thousand leaders listening to you right now. Okay. How have sales leaders had to change how they enable in the second half of 2020? especially as they gear up for next year. What are some like two or three things that have been really important that our leaders should be saying, you better be thinking about this. Well, I'm going to give it to you in, in two steps. First of all, to the sales enablement practitioners, COVID was one of the best things that could happen to our profession. Why? Not, not all the negative because what it did was forced us to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm one of those. We had always been in front of folks. We can do these live trainings. We can do boot camps where we pull people in together. We can do all these workshops. COVID said, "Uh uh-uh, not anymore. So what it forced us to do was utilize the technology. Look, sales enablement platforms and tools have been innovating for the last 20 plus years that I've been in this. The The profession of sales enablement has not. We've been doing things the same way for 20 years. We're just using faster, more adaptable tools now. So... Now, what it's forced us to do was create more disparate distance learning. It's also forced us to figure out, and this is along with sales leaders, how do we create an inclusive cohort of new hires at a distance? You can't Mm. bring them together and and do a boot camp anymore. You can't go out and, and do a happy hour with them anymore. And you also have to teach them how to sell differently. And we also had to change the definition of sales. And it also, and I'll get to this part later, is what it's done to the first and second line manager. But let's let's rewind now. Okay. Selling differently. Let's now, selling is about helping. It's no longer about how do I get you to understand our products, our solutions, and all those things. It's really about how do I, by the experience of working with my company, help you to maintain the customers that you have today? How do we help you mitigate risk? How do we help you cut costs? How do we help you increase profit? And most importantly, how do we help your sellers to have those business outcome focused conversations so that they are now doing that very thing, having conversations and not giving presentations? That is a really interesting distinction. I want to sit on that, having conversations and not giving presentations. I think that you nailed something there. I think for myself as a salesperson, because I relate to you on a lot of levels, Roderick, I still see myself as a sales guy. Yeah, I'm a sales coach. I sell every day, man. Mm -hmm. And I, and I coach every day too, but I've tried hard to remain a practitioner. And I, I I still sometimes have people say, Hey, will you send me the deck of what we're going to talk about in advance? I'm like, there's no deck, man. I'm just going to talk. We're going to take notes. And I mean, can that conversation versus presentations? I I think they're onto something. Can we sit on that for a minute? Absolutely. Let's go back to what you just said. We've all had that as sales folks. Just send me the deck and I'll take a look at it. AKA, I don't have time right now, so I'm just going to appease you and make you do some work and I'm going to give you nothing in return. Right. Here's the easiest way to combat that. Okay. Is I'm not here to sell you anything. I actually want to learn about you. Now, who's going to say no to, look at it as, as an informational interview. 
I don't want to sell you something. What I want to do is find out what's going on there, understand your goals, your deliverables, your needs. And, and throughout that conversation, what you're going to do as a salesperson is what? We're going to diagnose the level of pain for them, or we're going to highlight the level of pain. Mm. And then the good folks that are sales folks are going to do this. They're going to determine what is the level of pain relief required. Is it Tylenol? Is it Vicodin? Or is it an amputation and an extraction to just stop the pain right now? <laughs> right? That's what we all do in the essence of sales. But how does that happen? It has to happen with the first and second line manager. And I mean leader, because there are too many uh, managers out there that can't coach and don't lead. So you're asking me what we can do for with our sales leaders? Do this. Start every like conversation it. with a three-point, three-part question. Okay. When sure. you're doing your one-on-ones with your sales folks, with your teams, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to coach? Or do you want me to fix? Because it does two things. One we're natural fixers. That's why we're leaders. But what that question does is it gets you out of fix mode, right? Because fix may not be what they need. And most importantly, it tells you what set of ears to put on to listen to that individual. And it tells them that that conversation is all about them. Is there a most common answer when you ask that? I'm interested. I've heard you share this before and I like it. When you say that, is there a most common answer? Or is it, a, is it different every time? No, it's not different every time. What it is, it's different by the maturation level of the seller. Ah. Because the younger seller is like, um, I don't know what to do. Just fix it and tell me and I'll go do it. Okay. The middle mature seller is going to say, look, I've tried a couple of things, but I'm not really sure that I'm even moving. Right. And then the super mature seller, the old salty dogs like us, right, <laughs> are going to say, I've done everything I know how to do, man. What worked for you? Like so it, it really depends on where they are. So let me let me stay in this vein because this is a good vein. And I have something I've been thinking about that I want to throw at you and get your take on it. Because I yeah. think this has a lot to do with how we enable sales reps as leaders as well. Mm-hmm. So I know we're going to talk about buyer experience. I know we're going to spend, oh, we're spend, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Because yeah, that's okay. where I live. Yeah, that's where we got to live. Especially Absolutely. if there's one thing I think we all learned post-COVID, buyer's journey we should have already known buyer's journey trumps seller's journey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Buyer there, experience day. is way different than sales activities. We need to live there. So I want to spend a lot yeah. of time there. I think this is a good segue into that. Okay. I was working with one of my clients just last, just this week, massive company, global company, you'd know them. Okay. Um, the only reason I'm not going to name drop it is because the nature of the conversation, I, I think. understand. Okay. And so um, <clears throat> I was working with someone and they were telling me they're, that they're, big emphasis is providing a really good buying experience. They want to be known as they want to show that they're going to give good customer service because they give such good service on the sales side, which is an interesting way of looking at it. I like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here's what he's like, we're trying to be as responsive as we can. And I went back with him and I said, this, this is what I want to talk about. Good service is not servitude. Okay. No. It's not servitude. <laughs> Thank you. Good Thank service. You. Good service is expertise on the sales side, right? And so I think that's what good service is, is expertise. Not, that's not being a jerk, but it's being, being expertise. I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Let's use that to segue the buyer journey. And I think too many salespeople try to be just good servitude. They'll be servitude. Y'all, what do you want me to get you? Oh, you want the deck? Oh, you want this? Oh, you want that? How many referrals do you want? 
Um, you know, what they get this list and they'll, I'll get it back to you fast. Uh, you want my wife's maiden name? You want the last four digits of my social security? <laughs> what do you want? Right. Uh, yeah. Good service is not servitude. I think it's expertise. Yeah. I would love to get your thoughts on that. And let's use that to dive into buyer journey. Okay. So let me start by saying this. Discounts equate to servitude. Oh, I like it. And discounts are only important in the absence of value. If you're showing no value, you're going to have to drop your pants. Because they're like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but that's not what I'm looking for. But I'll buy it if you knock off XYZ percent. Service is about making sure things are always customer first. And I don't mean just customer centric. I mean, they are the center of the universe, i.e. the customer is the sun. And the further you move away from the sun, the colder it gets. Yep. So what I'm out there sharing and showing companies is customers don't care about your sales process, your sales methodology. They don't care about your sales stages. They don't care about your sales tools. You care about that. That's why you're trying to shoehorn them in so that you can put them on the big board. And when you have your forecast meeting, you can say, that, wait, I moved from S1 to S2 to S3. Yes. It all has to begin and end with the customer. Too many times we've tried to shoehorn them in. So if you go back and you look at the buyer's journey, right? Yeah. And now you try and figure out all, all the basics of who's a part of the buying journey. Why are they buying? What's the compelling event? You get past all of the, the baseline level one stuff, right? Now it's how can what we bring as an experience, not a product, not a solution, but as an experience of working with us, what can we bring that you can only get from us? And how do we fit into your buyer's journey from the initial disco, disco and qual conversation all the way through the closed sale? And what I call the closed sale is literally the beginning of the um, CSM relationship. And it happens before that. But the closed sale through cross-sell, through upsell, through renewal, and so that they don't feel like we're their best friend 90 days before their renewal. And I look at it this way from an analogy of a house. If you're building a house, sales is the slab, the black paper, the window, the framing, the roofing, and you've got all that, right? Post sales, excuse me, not post sales, but CSM and account managers are literally the shrubs, the lawn, and, and all the flooring and the cabinetry. Now, if you do it right, you build a big, beautiful house that stands for years and you pass it on to your family. Yes. You do it wrong, like a lot of companies do. You build a big, beautiful house with a short hallway where customers are treating out of the back door for two reasons. One, the front and the back of the house of sales are disconnected. Mm. And two, you didn't build that house and make it warm and inviting so that your customers want to stay there for a long time because you never focused on their buyer's journey. You tried to shoehorn them into your process. So you used a word that's one of my favorite words that I want to spend some time on if we can. And I'm, I am keeping my eye on the clock, man, because with you and me, time goes fast. <laughs> we can do this all day. We lose track of time. And, and uh, for our listeners, we got to stay on point. You just said a word that I want to spend some time on that has everything to do with buyer's journey. The word you used was experiences. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I have a belief that we in the sales process need to transform a prospect from a spectator to a participant. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you do that? Because I, I mean, I, I'm interested in your take. I, I spent a lot of time working on talking about this and I, and I, I feel a kindred spirit with you on this one. Mm -hmm. 
what kinds of what are some ex, uh, some examples of experiences that salespeople should start trying to create that fuel the buyer's journey rather than satisfying the sales requirements to advanced stages? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to give you a plethora of them. So hold Beautiful. on tight and buckle up. Yeah, buckle up, guys. Here we go. And, and I'm going to talk to the sales leaders. It yeah. starts with you. You've got to start leading with empathy, compassion, and EQ in a way that we've never done before. And I'm talking about when your folks are crafting content and they're curating content, you need to be saying at this right level, at this right time, this is what should be going on. I'm not talking about complete prescriptiveness. What I am saying though, is peek in. Remember the old adage of um, you can't expect what you don't inspect. It's meaning so much more right now, right? Your people should be curating content. They should be selling through this pandemic, sharing things like articles, short summarized articles. Because budget freezes aren't going to be here forever. You need to teach your people how to be memorable with their buyers now. So when the buyer is ready to engage again, you are top of mind. That means nurturing now for this post-COVID success that's coming. And how do you do that? Stay laser focused on not looking and sounding like everyone else that's in your space. (laughs) We want these things human focused, but kill the first line of, hey, I hope everything is well with you and your family. It feels disingenuous now, right? Get into the meat of things, be cordial, but get into the meat of things. Tie all of, and work with marketing and product marketing on this from sales leaders. You need to tie all of your social media and all of your outbound communications to business outcomes. Nobody cares how wonderful your company is, right? Mm -hmm. What they care about is how can you diagnose that pain and then find the right pain relievers I talked about earlier. The next is have your people share info, stats, best practices from other thought leaders that are both inside your space and outside of your space because it's still relevant. And then the most important of all of this, please stop measuring activity and start tracking productivity. And what I mean by that is never confuse activity with productivity. Just because you and your sales organization are constantly busy or even overwhelmed for that matter, doesn't mean that the company that you're working with, the prospect, sees that and acknowledges and validates that. Sometimes what you see as business, they just see as busyness. Busy, yeah. Right, so now productivity. We all know productivity is the old smart metrics that have never gone away. Specific, measurable, accountable, relevant, time-bound. It has to have, every conversation has to have a direct impact on the prospect or customer, the business culture, and also ultimately revenue. And I don't mean just revenue for you of putting something up on the board. I mean, how is it going to help them, as I said earlier, to maintain the customers they have or increase their market share? Why? Because Rob, you'll agree with this. We're all sales guys. Sales is focused on tying a motion of change to the emotions and the person involved. Yep. Ultimately, right? So transfer of enthusiasm. I've said it for years. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a transfer of enthusiasm. How to listen. Then learn, then lead. The old adage, we've got one mouth and two ears. And remember, sales leaders, sales is not always about answers. It's about asking the right questions, right? That means that you have to create a deeper understanding of discovery and qualification around building relationships, not just trying to build a brand. You are not selling to a logo. You're not selling to a number. Certainly, there is a number to it, but you're not selling to a number. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to buy from you. And there is no amount of rapport and relationship that you're going to build if I distrust you. So the old adage, again, 
people buy from people. Start teaching your sales folks that. And start not just teaching them, but start modeling that when you're having those conversations with them. Because what's important to you, sales leader, is imperative to your people. They're just like our kids. They're not going to listen to what we tell them. They're going to watch what we do and don't do. All right, so we got to sit on this too, brother. We got to sit on this now, man. So we were talking about experiences, and you just started spitting out to your, you said you would, a plethora of experiences. And I got to push pause because I'm not going to let you go run a rough shot by one that I think is super important. Okay. I owe it to our listeners to push pause on this one because you hit one that I think is massively important. You use the T word, you talked about trust. I think the experiences, so trust is built, right? You, you, trust is built over time. It's built on every interaction. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on trust, but as an enablement OG, right? Mm-hmm. How do you make sure the experiences you create are building a relationship of trust? Because, you know, whenever someone says you can trust me, you most certainly should run like crazy from them, right? You cannot trust them. That's right. <laughs> right. But trust is something that, like, when I do trust training, I found the three words that are most often synonymous. It's fun, Roderick. I tell everybody, write down every synonym you can think of of trust. So I give them 60 seconds. They write down their synonyms, right? Then I put them in groups, and I say, one person read your list to everybody. And if everybody has that word, you can circle it. But if even one person does not have that word, cross it off the list. And nobody ever has any words. By the time it's done, nobody has any words. But the three words that I see show up sometimes are honest, reliable, and helpful. And so we want to enable and create experiences that lets people see we're honest, reliable, and helpful. I'm interested to get your take on that. That's kind of where my thinking is. Can Can you use experiences to make people feel trust? Absolutely. I would add another fourth of that, and that's integrity. My mom used to give the definition of trust this way. And she said, trust is something that takes a lifetime to earn, a second to lose, and you may never get it back. Say that one more time for our listeners. Say that one more time for our listeners. A lifetime to earn, a second to lose, and you may never get it back. Because trust ultimately is about authenticity and being genuine. Because when you are genuine, we know it. We know when someone's selling to us and we know when we're being sold to, right? So take that same approach when you're talking to a prospect. Be genuine. When you're giving a case study or, or a conversation, talk about things that are not just like that problem that you have, but talk about ultimately how you worked together with the prospect to solve that, to diagnose that pain again and work jointly to come up with the pain relief. It's about being genuine. It's about being human. Here's the one thing that I would say to sales folks. Please start teaching your salespeople this. When you're out and you're talking about that compelling event and you're talking to a prospect, nine out of 10 times, they're talking about things that are going to impact the bottom line for the company. I always say there has to be one question minimum that goes like this. So Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, what will this purchase or not purchase mean to you personally? Because this could be what gets them a seat at the table. This could be what gets them a promotion. This could be, be what gets them higher visibility. This could be what puts their name in lights and puts them in the high potential program. Mm. But you will never know that if you don't ask. So mm. here's what you start doing. 
take two approaches. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talk about ROI. That's valid and you have to talk about it, right? But I want to introduce another acronym because we don't have enough in the world, Rob. Huh. Got to start okay. talking about COI. What is the cost of inaction? Hmm. Right? I like it. What happens to your career if you don't make this move? What happens to your company if you don't make this move, right? Do you lose market share? Does your competitor jump ahead of you in the space? Do you become irrelevant? Are you seen as old school and archaic? That's COI. ROI is the numbers. COI also goes back to people buy from people. What is the personal stake in this for you, Mr. Mrs. Decision Maker? I guarantee you, your close rates will go up. Guarantee it. Love it. That's a good, that's a good conversation. I, I want to ask you one more thing about something you said. And we're down to like 15 minutes, man. I can't believe it. So I, I, <laughs> it blows by. I, I have to keep us in chunks. You talked about sharing content as part of the enablement uh, stuff that we do. Um, I see a lot of times people just take stuff and hit send. Can you give any like tips or suggestions for our leaders? Hey, when you're going to send content to someone, when you're going to send them a study, <clears throat> we're going to, because I believe content is like fuel for the journey. That's how we fuel oh, things, right? Can you give any best practices on a, th- this is like the dumb way to do it. And this is the smart way to do it. You know, leaders don't let them do this. <laughs> like, here's my example. Like when someone just sends a proposal over with a note that says, Hey, if you have any questions, call me, um, you know, instead of Useless. walking through. Yeah. So, Useless. and I get articles sent to me and nobody tells me why they thought of it would be helpful. I got to figure that out on my own. Can, can you just give any thoughts around the best way to use content as fuel? Yeah. Well, you just hit it. And the word is why. Okay. If the, if the content you're sending explains why they're having the problem they're having, you've been able to fix it previously, i.e. a case study. Yep. If it explains why they're having those problems and it is fixable, i.e. a white paper, right? You have to give some context around. It's not just about content. It's about context, yeah. right? A short explanation. Hey, I saw this going on. I read this article about you guys. I saw you just close this merger and acquisition. I see other companies that have gone through this. Here's some best practices from them so you don't have to step in that same hole. How valuable is that, Rob? Right? Or, hey, I see you guys are expanding and growing. I've helped 10 other companies do it. And some of the mistakes that I've seen them make are these 10 steps. Yeah. Here's something so you don't have to step in those same holes. That resonates and is relevant to me as a buyer because now you're really looking out for the why. Your what is, you want to put my name on the board. We all know what sales is about. But when you make this again, back to the human experience, and it, it's now about the why, it works. Whenever I send out an, an email, whenever I do a keynote, whenever I, even the conversation we're having today, I map this out in my mind. So to sales leaders, I'm going to give you a simple methodology that's three steps. Whenever you have your folks send something out or you're having a one-on-one with them or you're talking to a prospect, frame your conversation this way. One, what do I want them to think? Two, what do I want them to feel? Three, call to action. What do I want them to do? It's amazing how that same methodology applies. Rob, go back now and look at the things that I've posted on LinkedIn from social media perspective and look at it with those lenses. You'll see, what do I want the reader to think? What do I want them to feel? And now what do I want them to do? It does not change. 
And so we should never just send something for the point of sending it. We, I love that lens. What do I want to think? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? And we can do that without writing an epistle to the Romans. We can do that fast. In fact, if you can't, you're in trouble, right? I call it knowledge bites. Okay. If it requires you to scroll on your phone, you've written too much. Because most people are going to read things on their mobile, right? And I'll go back to now what my boy John Barrow says. There is no value in checking in. Yeah. Hey, just wanted to check in. Hey, wanted to follow up on why? What's the value of that to the individual? Yeah. Right? There is no value in I'm just checking in. They don't care. They've got things going on or they would have circled back with you. Again, that's back code for I have nothing to offer and I'm hoping that there's something from you for me. I'm hoping that if I throw enough spaghetti on the wall, it's going to stick. Yeah. All right. These are good. Let's start wrapping this up and then we'll finish with our rapid fire and make it so people can get a hold of you. And I want to leave a little time to talk about your book still too. So um, appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, let's wrap it with this. Like if, think about, is there like a couple of key building blocks? If you're going to have a good enablement program, you know, make sure you think about this or, or even are there any new non-negotiables as we head into 2021? Are there some new non-negotiables that you would advise our leaders to say, be mindful of this as you make your plans. Oh my goodness. Yes. One of those is um, (laughs) virtual leadership is the next normal. It's here to stay for a long time. So the way that we've managed does not play anymore. Four steps for you. First is building rapport, teaching your people to build rapport is different. It doesn't mean looking at what's behind the uh, prospect on the zoom and going, Oh, I went to University of Texas too, or, oh, I like to fish. Let me step back before I even say this. The first thing is remembering that selling has become more personal than it's ever been. We're inviting each other into our homes now. Mm. You're here with my family. You are now a welcome guest in my home. You better start acting like you appreciate being that welcome guest. So with that said, the next is building rapport has to be done differently. Secondly, you've got to teach your sellers how to build and create a virtual community and cohort so that you're sharing best practices and you're sharing high value between your sellers that now become best practices that are shared out to your prospects and your customers. And that means bringing in your legacy sellers and harnessing that tribal knowledge that they have with your younger sellers and also the younger sellers that are more, maybe more innovative and more tech savvy sharing that with your legacy sellers. And now you've got the best of both worlds. The next is you sometimes should just jump on a call and get off of zoom because zoom fatigue is real. (laughs) Right. And it's eating all of us up. And the final piece is you've got to find a way to take all of those previous three steps and always remember to your two words. It's about customer service. It's about building that experience. So good. So good. That's a great, that's a great way to wrap all of that stuff, man. I, uh, I, I thank you for that. Let's, let's talk about your book and then we'll do rapid fire. Talk about your book. What, what made you decide it was time to write one? What's in it? Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to get my hands on it. Tell us when it goes Thanks, live, man. you know, Definitely why they should it's in get pre-sale it. now. So okay. I'll, I'll tell you how to get the book. Good. Um, the reason I wrote it is I realized as you say, one of the OGs that we'd been doing things the same way. And what we had done is literally cornered ourselves into the title of fixers of broken things and broken people. That's not what we do. IT's got the broken things down. Let them do that job. What we had to do was shift 
the value that we share inside of a company. I also realized that our metrics, unfortunately, had really boiled down to smiley sheets and butts and seats. It wasn't a whole lot of value, right? We had to really now change that and talk about nothing but revenue generating stats and talk about it differently with sales, with SEs and differently with CSMs, professional services, et cetera. So when I wrote the book, it was literally the blueprint for folks. I wrote it because this is something I wish I would have had coming into the space. I wrote it for three audiences. One, people that are translating and migrating into sales enablement, because I absolutely love our profession. Secondly, for those that are already practitioners that want to up-level their game. I'm wow. not talking about the theorists out there, Rob. I'm talking about the true practitioners. Yeah. And finally, I wrote it for the rest of the organization, primarily sales, product marketing, et cetera, to understand the value of and literally how to partner and communicate, collaborate, and orchestrate with sales enablement. So net, net, collaborate and orchestrate. I like and it. Orchestrate. Yeah. Absolutely. And net, net, the book sales enablement 3.0 is the next level of where we're going. In my opinion, I think it's both an art and a science, but there are no magical silver bullets or no single approach that's going to guarantee that you're going to be successful. However, there is, in my opinion, a formula, just like any other processor program or tool that requires a combination of practical application trial and error, and a mix of a lot of conversations with sales leaders to understand what you guys want, need, and expect from us in sales enablement. So we can translate that into um, programs and processes and tools and not give you what we think you need. So at its core, Rob, Sales Enablement 3.0 really comes down to this. It's about taking an innovative approach of focusing on increasing sales productivity through a systematic approach to support content that will ultimately drive incremental revenue. Wow, love it. I'm excited to get my hands on it. I can tell all the listeners I'll be buying one for sure. I, uh, I'll break it down and next time I see you someplace, I'll, I'm sure I'll have it uh, earmarked a book uh, with lots of questions for you. <laughs> I hope um, so. I appreciate Hey, I wanna you. do this. I've, I've yeah. got an offer for your audience. And do it. just off the top of my head. What I will say is um, I've got a, if you don't wanna do the whole book and, and on top of the book, anyone that buys the book. I also have a course on Udemy that was just named a bestseller on the framework of sales enablement that will help to build a world-class sales enablement program. Anyone from your audience, Rob, that buys the book, I will give you 35 bucks off of the, um, off of the on-demand course by simply using the word enablement. The course enablement. is called Applying um, the art and science of sales enablement. If you want to get the book, send an email to my team at info at rodericjefferson.com. And what we'll do then is, and let us know that you heard about it on Rob's podcast. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll reiterate what that, uh, discount code is and make sure that you can get not only the book and the book's a hardcover book. This isn't a flimsy nice. thing that we're nice. throwing out there, right? This is a, a real manual. I want it to be the blueprint, the Bible. Of sales enablement. My man doing it right. I love it. Okay. That's a great offer. I hope people take you up on it. Like I said, I, I'm getting that book, dude. I, I, it's going to be one of my Christmas presents <laughs> to myself. I'll have that read before I hit January 1st. Appreciate Let's finish it. rapid fire the way I finished with everyone. I can't wait to get your take. You ready for the three questions? You ready? Let's make it happen. Okay, buddy. For the fix. Biggest sales leadership challenge you're seeing right now and how do you beat it? 
biggest sales challenge I have is that sales leadership challenge, sales leadership challenge that I'm seeing right now is that we've got people that can't speak at executive level, that can't talk at multiple levels in conversations. How do you beat it? it. You start modeling it as a sales leader and you also get them access to people that are doing the job. Secondly, stop hiring for skill set and start hiring for industry knowledge. Bring people in from the industries that you're trying to sell into, and that's going to up-level the skill level of your entire team. Boom. Good one. Thank you. When you're helping people hire teams or when you're hiring your own, you've done it for a long time, yeah. and, you're, and you're looking at people, and this just piggybacks off what you just said, do you have a favorite interview question or topic that you use when you're looking for, for teammates? And, and when you do that topic or question, what are you looking for? Um, on my sales enablement team, I ask them, what's the worst sales enablement experience you've ever had? <laughs> what are you looking for? I'm trying to find out if they're going to give me a process walkthrough methodology or if they're just going to complain. So good, Roderick. <laughs> so good. You're a freaking Jedi, man. I love it. <laughs> okay. And, I, and, and so we've talked about your book and I've already encouraged and I'll continue to do that to have people get a hold of your book. Is there another book though that you would say, hey, if you want to be serious about your leadership journey, uh, in addition to three dots, sales enablement 3.0, anything you'd recommend that uh, our listeners uh, process and get a hold of? Yeah, Anita Nielsen, Beat the Bots. That's one. Beat the Bots, okay. Beat the Bots. It talks about AI and, and how it's not going to ever take away people. It's going to maximize us. The second is um, Creating Togetherness by Jeff Davis. Phenomenal Perfect. books. Okay. We'll add those to our list, our library that people look to, and we'll tag those to you. And we appreciate you, man. How, how do people get more of you? If they want to, you know, you've told them how to get your book. You've told them how to get your, your course, which I, I'm so grateful that you'd share. How do people connect with you? How do they learn what you have to offer? How do they k- get a conversation going with you? I always say this. If you can't get a hold of me, you're not really trying. Because, Rob, you know I'm all over social media. Yeah. So yeah. on LinkedIn, Roderick Jefferson. On both Twitter and Facebook, at The Voice of Rod. Um, for the book, info at rodericjefferson.com. On the web, rodericjefferson.com. And finally, on Insta, roderick underscore J underscore associates. You can't find me. You're not trying. He's Roderick Jefferson. He's one of the OGs. Not one of He is the OG in the sales enablement space. One of my favorite guys to talk to. I hope you, you understand why loaded with knowledge bombs, loaded with insights. He can help you make how you enable and how you lead become one of your competitive advantages. Roderick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing some of your insights with our team. And as I say to everyone, happy selling, my friend. My absolute pleasure. And I'll leave them with this. If you've seen anything from me on social media, Rob, you know, I don't think things happen by accident. Hope is not a strategy. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, I'm convinced that 2021 will be the year of the coach. It's the year where the sales leader creates the biggest competitive advantage for the organizations they lead, where they have more impact than ever before. So as you prepare for 2021, I want to help. Are your leaders Your sales leaders ready for what 2021 will bring? Are you? If you want to take things up a a level, hit me up. I'm helping companies build new sales leadership and coaching processes, providing one-on-one coaching to sales leaders and companies of all sizes and industries, and I'm doing much, much more. 
Most companies have invested in their sales team historically, but they've left their leaders to figure it out on their own. If this is you, let me help you navigate the sales leadership maze because we can navigate it faster than you might think possible. I'm also delivering a session at Salesforce's upcoming Dreamforce to You virtual event next week. My session is about how you can develop the DNA of elite sales leadership and how you can overcome the sales leadership crisis facing so many organizations today. It's a fast one. I get done in less than 25 minutes, but it's packed with tactics you can use to have more impact immediately in 2021. Um, if you haven't registered for the event, go do it right now. You'll be glad you did. I'm excited to hear what you think after checking it out. It goes live on day one of Dreamforce to you. And so I'm super excited to hear what you think. Now, Roderick, he's fantastic. I love that dude. And I enjoyed our conversation so much. Enablement has become a massively important part of sales. And it's something that you absolutely positively have to figure out as you work to equip your team for 2021 and beyond. And Roderick's one of the original people that helped drive the rise of sales enablement. So there's not a better person to have on the show to talk about it. And I love his approach and how real he is with what he does. I hope you felt how authentic he was. And I think one of the reasons he's been so great at what he does is because he's never stopped being a salesperson. I think the best sales enablement professionals can empathize because they either have done the job or they continue to do the job and they understand what it takes to carry the bag. Um, and if there's one thing that I took from Roderick's conversation, it was his emphasis on experiences uh, and his emphasis on the buyer rather than the seller. Too often we're focused on what we want, what we need to do, what we have to offer, what calls I got to make, what demos I got to do, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of the challenges that comes with activity-based management. Um, so I'll go to my grave saying this, problems get prioritized, products don't. I'm going to say it again. Problems get prioritized, products do not. So we have to get fluent in the language of the problems we solve, how they're measured, and why they matter. And Roderick used the word that you should really be thinking about, experiences. And experience is something you share with someone, something where we both, uh, people on both sides contribute, both give and both receive. So we shouldn't be focused on what we do as much as we're focused on what the buyer experiences. And Roderick shared a ton of experiences that can help reinforce the problems that get prioritized. These are things that we really need to help our reps get great at. Engaging, connecting, fueling a journey rather than driving the bus. The best sales experiences are the ones where the customer feels like they've made their decision in an informed way rather than relentless hammering by salespeople from all these different companies along the way. So make sure that the way you engage your customers creates an experience rather than just an activity. Uh, your customers need to experience you looking out for them. They need to experience you having their best interests in mind. They need to experience you being helpful, reliable, and being there for them. So go back and listen to Roderick's advice. He dropped so much advice that will help any salesperson willing to listen and apply uh, these best practices. Seriously, go back, take notes. He, he, he went for it, man. It was awesome. He shares so many ways that will help you fuel the journey of the buyer rather than emphasize the sales activities. So don't confuse activity with accomplishment. We're in a new era and what got us here will not get us where we need to go next. But what will get us where we want to go is creating experiences with buyers that fuel their journey. Here's something you might want to think about as you get ready to kind of make tweaks on how you do this for next year. Service is not servitude. The best experiences are based in expertise. Now we talked about this in the show and I, want, I wanted to mention it here as well. 
The buyer journey isn't going to be optimized based on you being the most pleasant, getting back to them the fastest, or having the most content to share. Though, all those are great things that you should be doing. The best experience that fuels the buyer journey will come in providing expertise that helps your buyers move from saying, Houston, we have a problem, to something along the lines of, hey, there are some killer solutions here that we really got to consider, followed by, holy crap, or wow, or something along those lines that says, these people are the experts. And because you want that last experience before they commit to buying from you to be something that acknowledges your expertise, you need your experiences, you need your service that you provide to be fueled by expertise. (laughs) Create experiences that showcase the expertise you have at your company. Not because you're a know-it-all, but rather because you've walked the road that you're preparing that their customer is preparing to walk and you can act as a tour guide rather than a travel agent. You can take them someplace they want to be and you can have them enjoy the ride as well as can possibly be enjoyed. Never ever forget that the best experiences are fueled by expertise. Service is not servitude. Service is the expertise. And um, so create experiences where people learn by the experience, by the, by that expert experience rather than listening to all the great things you have to say. So here's to creating experiences that engineer predictable uh, responses. Here's to understanding the experiences that will help your customer choose you over and over again. Here's to fueling the buyer's journey by focusing on problems rather than products. Never ever forget that problems get prioritized and products don't. Okay. If there's one thing you get, that's what I want you to remember. So to my friend Roderick, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you sharing your insights with each one of our listeners. And I hope we are all more intentional about creating those experiences that fuel the buyer journey. Take my advice and give Roderick's book a a read. Sales Enablement 3.0. Take him up on his special offer and leverage his expertise. I'm telling you right now, you'll be glad you did. And thanks to each of you, our listeners. I appreciate your five-star reviews on iTunes. I appreciate you reaching out to me directly. Uh, many of you continue to do that, and I'm, ex- I'm so appreciative for those, those opportunities I have to interact with you. And I, heard, I hope to hear from more of you this week. So let's make this a week of creating more meaningful experiences for your customers. Train them. Coach them. Showcase them. The results will follow fast. Do this, and you'll find yourself on the road to legendary results. So make this a week of experiences that move the needle. Happy holidays, and as I always say, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.